Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. So here it is, with how much time that has passed since the November 2020 election, and we continue to get drip, drip, drip of information over how fraudulent that election was, over how corrupt that election was, how Joe Biden is not legally, constitutionally the president of the United States, that he is occupying the White House unconstitutionally, exercising authority that he does not legitimately have. The United States right now is basically under occupation by an unelected fraud. And so we get all this information that continues to drip out. We know about all the information near the election of all the people that were going out there and talking about all of the fraud that they had witnessed. We saw that with ballot harvesting. We saw how if people had voted for Trump, their ballots would end up in the dumpster. Yes, we found thousands upon thousands of ballots, all cast for President Trump and the dumpsters, thrown away. How do you think they got there? It was because of ballot harvesting, people there witnessing that they had voted for Trump and said, nope, 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 I'm not going to deliver that. I'm going to throw it away. So you had people that were casting votes who thought, yes, my vote counts, whose ballots ended up in the dumpster because the Democrats didn't like the fact that they had voted for President Trump. We saw all of the votes cast that were from people who don't even have addresses, at least none that actually exist, fraudulent made-up addresses. We have seen ballots that were double-counted. We see in Georgia over 10,000 illegal ballots casted. The forensic audits are going out there and uncovering a lot of things. But what went through? How did this fraudulent election get pushed through? Well, there was the fact that the Republicans were too weak-kneed, too afraid of the Democrats and their domestic terrorist groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, what they would do if they didn't push through the fraudulent election. Or they were too afraid of the media and the narrative. Oh, trying to claim that Biden was the legitimately elected president. And if they didn't go along with that, oh, how would the public go? How would the media attack them? A bunch of spineless cowards. And then some of them, in the Republican Party, decided that they would rather have a fraudulent president than Trump, that their dislike for Trump was greater than their love for, of country, that they sold out democracy and the Constitution because Trump was disrupting the establishment. He was transferring power out of Washington, D.C. and helping we the people. We the people were benefiting and prospering too much, and the establishment, they could not have that. They could not have their power questioned that we, the people, are not allowed to prosper because if we prosper, we pay too much attention to them. And what is their defense? Their defense is, well, we didn't see any evidence of widespread election fraud. You were avoiding the evidence. Anytime the evidence would be presented, you would look the other way. You would bury your head in the sand and then wait for the evidence to be destroyed, in which case we have caught that a lot of evidence has been destroyed. Anytime the evidence was brought to light, they destroyed it. Now, luckily, we got all these forensic audits, and the forensic audits are uncovering a lot. But what is all of this going for? Why do I bring this up again? Well, it's because we got more information that has just come out. So from just the news, letters from former U.S. attorney alleges Barr instructed him not to investigate potential voter fraud. So think about that. You have a lot of people going out there making accusations over election fraud, over what they saw. They signed affidavits under penalty of perjury 
the, of the crimes that were committed. And Bill Barr's response is, don't you dare investigate that. You are prohibited from investigating. So it's interesting. They go off and try to say, not even Bill Barr found evidence of election fraud. Well, Bill Barr was blocking any investigation into election fraud. He only wasn't looking for election fraud. He was telling everybody to ignore any evidence, any credible allegation, to just ignore it. Don't you dare investigate that. That's not the same. Saying that there's no evidence and then saying that, hey, despite all the evidence that comes to light, don't you dare investigate it is not the same thing. And Bill Barr has been going off and he's really turned into quite the rat, hasn't he? Of course, I've been suspicious of Bill Barr for years. All talk, no action. And then he goes out there and tries to say all these claims were, I knew they were bullshit from the beginning. You are the one full of shit, Bill Barr. So the article goes on to read, former President Trump has made public a letter from a former federal prosecutor in Pennsylvania alleging that former Attorney General Bill Barr pressured him not to investigate claims of voter fraud and election irregularities in the state. U.S. attorney from the Eastern District of Pennsylvania was precluded from investigating election fraud allegations. Outrageous, wrote Trump in a statement he released along with the letter. The letter to Trump, written by William M. McSwain, described instructions he received from Barr in the wake of the November election. The relationship between Trump and Barr unraveled after Barr said he found no evidence of widespread voter fraud in the 2020 election. As the former president alleges, the situation appeared to reach a boiling point in late June following the publication of an interview with Barr in the Atlantic magazine in which he talked about the schism. Barr instructed me not to make any public statements or put out any press releases regarding possible election irregularities. McSween wrote, I was also given directive to pass along serious allegations to the state attorney general for investigation, the same state attorney general who has already declared that you could not win. I mean, think about that one for a moment. Don't you dare investigate election fraud. And if any serious allegations do come to light, do not investigate it yourself. Pass it off to the state attorney general, a state attorney general that was so corrupt it was already declared that Trump could not win in any way, shape, or form. A state attorney general so corrupt that they would definitely use prosecutorial discretion to decide not to pursue any evidence, no matter how massive, of election fraud, of criminality. You know, prosecutorial discretion. Ugh. Now, it continues. McSwain, who served as the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania in April 2018 to January 2021, wrote that he disagreed with the directive he received from the Attorney General but followed orders nonetheless. President Trump, you are right to be upset about the way the Democrats ran the 2020 election in Pennsylvania, he wrote. In late 2020, then A.G. Barr said that the Justice Department had not found evidence of voter fraud on a scale that could affect a different outcome in the election. Several weeks later, he had issued instructions to U.S. attorneys across the country giving them the go-ahead to probe any substantial allegation of voting irregularities that they uncover. All right, so this is really, really bad. I mean, here it is. You have the most fraudulent election ever witnessed in American history. Fraud all over the place. Evidence abounds 
about all the election fraud. And here it is. You have the attorney general instructing everybody, don't you dare investigate. Don't you dare look into this. And if you are flooded, give it to the state attorney generals who will use their prosecutorial discretion to look the other way, despite the fact that these are federal crimes that were committed. And then he goes out there after he instructs everybody, don't you dare investigate anything. Don't you dare look into this. Ignore any reports that you get. After he issues that directive, he goes on and goes, well, we didn't receive any credible evidence of widespread election fraud because you told everyone to ignore it, not to listen. This is unbelievable. And then we continue to see more and more evidence coming out, especially out of the forensic audit over just how fraudulent the election is. You know, Joe Biden is not my president because he's not the actual president. He is an illegitimate fraud. And that gets proven. All you have to do is read the Constitution, read how it says the state legislature determines the election laws of the state, the time, manner, and places of the election, how the electors are selected. And Joe Biden's presidency is based off of violating the time, place, and manner of the election outlined by the state legislature and violating the manner in which the state legislature said that the electors would be selected. And then you get into all of the fraud that took place. And we continue to get more and more and more drip, 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 slowly, slowly, so that, in my opinion here, is the reason why we're getting all of this drip, drip, drip is because the, the, those in government, of course, they don't care. They don't care about how fraudulent the election is. The drip, drip, drip is basically going off and going, yeah, 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 the election was fraudulent, but because you're only finding out very slowly about just how fraudulent it is, we're managing your anger. We're managing your backlash so that you don't actually do anything, so that you don't stand up for the Constitution that you don't oust this unelected fraud from the White House, this unconstitutional fraud, and that you just accept this massive attack and overthrow of our democracy. Because if it's all coming out drip by drip, you're not getting all pissed off and angry at once. But make no mistake, and I choose my words deliberately here, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are traitors to the United States. They are traitors to the Constitution. They are traitors to democracy. So are the governors and the state attorney generals and secretaries of state that went through and conducted the election illegally and unconstitutionally in order to get an outcome that, uh, that oust President Trump, despite we the people voting for him. They are traitors. Those who did not stand up and protect the Constitution, those in the state legislatures, while I may not go as far as to say that they are traitors, they definitely betrayed their oath of office. They may not be traitors to the entire country. They didn't really know what was going on, but they're definitely guilty of mass stupidity. And when we go off and we take a look, yes, there are a lot of traitors, and the traitors are the ones running the show, exercising authority that they do not legitimately have. So no, Joe Biden's not my president, and I don't recognize anything that he does as legitimate because all of the evidence shows that Joe Biden is not legitimately or constitutionally the president of the United States. Nothing he does is legitimate. No agreement he enters into needs to be honored. And any debt that he's taking out for our country is not legitimate. And of course, ever since Joe Biden was installed into the White House, 
It has been one dumpster fire after another, a deliberate, constant, sustained attack on the United States, a crisis at the border. We see a crisis in Afghanistan. We knew that and saw that one coming. We've seen crisis in the economy. It's just been one dumpster fire after another as Joe Biden goes off and attacks the United States and sides with our enemies. If they chant death to America, Joe Biden's like, I like you guys. But now there's continuing attacks on our freedoms and on our democracy. And from the political insider, Biden-linked group, DNC, wants private text messages monitored for vaccine misinformation. Oh, yes, there's an idea. They're now going to start monitoring our private communication. So all those people out there that were going off and talking about, oh, the with social media companies, you know, they're a private business. They, they can go off and decide that this is too objectionable, you know, for them. They can go off and engage in all of the censorship that they want, and you shouldn't be able to say boo about it, despite the fact that social media companies are basically common carriers today. But in any event, they want to go off and say they can censor and they can engage in all of these things that are designed to actually censor out the truth and promote propaganda. But now they're trying to take what they did with social media and apply it to your private text messages. So let's say you're text messaging through your phone with friends and family members, and you're sending information or you're expressing your opinions about certain things. Well, now they're going to go off and engage in censorship of text messages. And these aren't text messages through Facebook or these aren't DMs through Twitter. These are you te- just general text messaging off of social media platforms. And they want to go off and now engage and being able to go through all of your text messages, censor it, and you know apply fact check to your text messages, all in the name of trying to prevent misinformation. You know, the Democrats, the, the biggest problem here is that those who are pushing the most information, those who are pushing the most propaganda, are the ones controlling our communications and putting themselves at the position of determining what is true and what is not. So it goes on to read, a shocking new report indicates that groups aligned with President Biden, not the act, not my commentary is not the legitimate president, so groups aligned with Joe Biden including the DNC, are pushing text message carriers to help monitor misinformation regarding COVID-19 vaccines. The latest information comes tucked away in a political article regarding the Biden Biden administration's shift to a head-on strategy to dispel fear-mongering over its door-to-door efforts. In regards, or excuse me, in reporting how the White House is seeking to dispel privacy fears stirred up by vaccine fear mongers, political provided even more fodder for those concerns. Biden allied groups, including the Democrat National Committee, they reveal are planning to engage fact checkers more aggressively and work with text messaging carriers to dispel misinformation about vaccine that is sent over social media and text messages. White House spokesperson Kevin Munoz and the very next paragraph of the political report adds to the aggressive tone in combating vaccine misinformation. This is the slippery slope that Republicans are constantly, or at least conservatives, are constantly talking about that the Democrats always go down. 
So first, you remember, they got us used to the idea of censorship with Facebook and Twitter only going after initially what they considered to be the craziest of the crazy people, the Alex Jones types. And then they started engaging in a heavier and heavier censorship to basically now going off and censoring out anything they don't like and claiming that any disagreement with the leftist agenda is otherwise objectionable content and they have the right to censor it, even though under the Communication Decency Act, Section 230, they're not supposed to do so. But they start off on on the edges, the fringes, and work their way in until you get used to it, until you have nearly half the country cheering it on, saying, yes, censorship. But now that they've gotten the population used to censorship on Facebook and Twitter, now they are moving to our other communication systems, our phone calls, our text messages. They're going to want to go off and be able to listen that, monitor our private communications, and engage in so-called fact-checking. This is the type of crap that you would have seen in the old Soviet Union with Pravda, with Hitler's Germany, you know, the Joseph Goebbels, and all other authoritarian dictatorships in which they go off to monitor and censor all means of communication so that you're not allowed to share or have any conversations with anybody if you disagree with the narrative, the ideas, or the talking points being pushed by the left. This is absolutely outrageous what they are trying to do. And they are going and operating well outside their constitutional authority. Well, the Democrats' excuse will be well, it's not the government doing it, it's private businesses. Private businesses that are basically being taken over by the government through regulations and such, where the government is basically trying to control the businesses to do the bidding or at least the Democrats in the government are trying to take control of private businesses and forcing them to do what they cannot legally do through the government. So now they're trying to use private businesses as a de facto government to engage in violations of the First Amendment, to be able to go out there and censor everything we're allowed to see. I mean, you even get down to the point where now we see that even the New York Times, their bestsellers list, are fraudulent because their bestsellers list for books and such are not based off of what actually sold the best or the most copy or what the most popular literature is. No, it's based off of only what books sell that agrees with left-wing ideology, left-wing propaganda. If a conservative writes a book and it outsells every other book on the market, it still will not make the New York Times bestseller list. Everything is being censored in order to try and convince you that you're alone in your thoughts and opinion because you're not allowed to express your opinions to see what other people say, whether they agree or disagree, and other people are not allowed to express their opinions for you to be able to see what everybody truly thinks. My God, we are living in a scary time here. We have an unconstitutional fraud in the White House, an illegitimate government operating outside of the constitutional confines. And now everything is being censored, and we're not allowed to be able to speak freely with anybody. We are headed for some dark time. And maybe this is why gun sales are making new records all the time. Why we are seeing that gun sales and ammo are always in shortage, that they can't keep up with demand. Because people see what's going on, 
and they see what's coming down the pipeline here. They see exactly where we are headed, and they want to make sure that they have the ability to stop it. And this may be why the Democrats are now trying to engage in total mass censorship. So while each individual person is going off and being able to stock up and defend against what's to come, they want to try and make that person feel like they are isolated in their views so that they don't act, so that they take no actions to exercise the very reason why we have the Second Amendment. Unbelievable what they are doing here. And meanwhile, the lawlessness of the Democrats knows no bound. It knows no limitation. So here's a report here. White House urges cities to use coronavirus funds to help combat rise in violent crimes. The article reads from Just the News. The White House sent a memo to state and local officials Monday, urging them to use some of the COVID-19 relief funds to help combat the rise in violent crimes. The memo outlines how states should use funds provided by Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package to reduce crime, such as supporting law enforcement, investing in community-based violent intervention, and enforcing gun laws, which, by the way, we can definitely go out there and question the constitutionality of those gun laws under the Second Amendment. But let's get back into the article. The core of Joe Biden's plan is a partnership with cities and states, equipping local leaders with historic levels of federal funding and a range of tools to address the multifaceted challenge of gun violence. The memo also notes that Biden requested $300 million in funds for the COPS program, a program made by the Department of Justice for community-centered policing. Yeah, community-centered policing is not the same as COPS and law enforcement. They're playing the language game to try and say that they are trying to support and fund the cops and law enforcement, but they're not actually trying to fund law enforcement. They're trying to fund alternatives to law enforcement and call it law enforcement. They're, they play the word game all the time, and they're trying to set it up where if you do not support this, you do, you do not support the police officers, when in reality, the money is not necessarily going to police officers. In any event, what does all of this mean? Well, it means that they are engaged in illegal activity here because this money was not passed for law enforcement. You understand here that when the government passes a spending bill, that money has to be used for the intended purpose by which it was voted on and passed. For the government now to say, well, we can pass funding for, you know, uh, X, you know, we can go off and reallocate that after it's passed without any additional approval for why. And so think about what this sets up here, a situation where the Democrats will be able to go out there and try and pass funding bill after funding bill and claim it's for this situation, something that people would not object to, things that people would generally support. And then after the money is passed, instead of it being used for that actual purpose, they can just decide to reallocate the money any way that they want, to do anything that they want. This means that the money, taxpayer money, is being used for purposes other than what it was approved for. No, that's not how this is supposed to go. The government passed money for a specific purpose. If you're not going to use it for that specific purpose, you're not supposed to spend it. And if you have a surplus of money, 
beyond what you need for that specific purpose, you're to send it back, to give it back, because you right now, what they are saying here is that they can use it for unauthorized purposes. Joe Biden does not have the authority to take money passed by the legislature for one purpose and then decide that he's going to rewrite it to fund something else. No, that's not how this goes. In fact, if you want to go off and redirect the money, you need legislative approval. You can't just go off all willy-nilly and do this. This is how they're setting up to be able to get away with laundering more taxpayer money. We already see that they launder taxpayer money through private organizations back into their campaign coffers or into the pockets of their friends, family, and donors. But now they're going off and trying to launder money in order to be able to go off and set it up so that they can fund their their priorities that they cannot get funded through legislation in the House and the Senate. They can go off and say, yes, we are providing money for this. The money passes. The money's handed out. Oh, yes, now you can reallocate it for all these other things that would not have passed if we had claimed that we were going to fund this instead. This is just unbelievable how they get away with this. And of course, we are seeing that as people speak out against the authoritarian tyrants of the Democrat Party, the more they are being punished. And the Democrats are using private businesses and private organizations in order to punish people for daring to speak out against the Democrat ideology. And we see this here with another article. Educators face termination for proposing male-only and female-only bathrooms in schools. So yes, for, I don't know, since the dawn of the bathroom, men and women have had separate facilities and that we say that women should have privacy to use the restroom to do their business and men should have privacy uh, to do their business you know, keep them separated because they're in a vulnerable position while they are doing so. And to say that if you are a man, you should use the restrooms designated for men is somehow controversial now. And so the article reads, Oregon educators are fighting for their jobs after starting a campaign to keep biological males and females in their own school restrooms and locker rooms and make it optional for school employees to use their students' preferred gender pronouns. Oh, yes. Yeah, so if you call a man a man, you can be in trouble. It's the war on language, the war on reality that the Democrats are engaged in as they try to force you through compelled speech to go along with the Democrat agenda or have your career, your personal finances, your life completely and utterly destroyed. So the article goes on and the article continues. Assistant Principal Rachel DeMaio and science teacher Katie Medar of North Middle School face a pre-termination hearing before the school board on Thursday. They are seeking a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction as they continue suing the Grants Pass School District for violating their speech rights under the U.S. and Oregon constitutions. The district argues the federal court can't reinstate them uh, to their positions for which they have been on paid leave for three months for inappropriate behavior, they claim, unless the school board accepts the superintendent's recommendation to fire them. So this is where they're trying to play games. No, 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 they're not fired. So, you know, there's nothing to reinstate. They're on paid leave right now for what we consider to be inappropriate behavior. The educators argue they spoke as private citizens about gender identity 
education policy as a matter of public concerns using their own resources over spring break. The two claim they are challenging a district speech policy that not only regulates their speech on any political or controversial civil issue while acting as educators, but also require them to issue a disclaimer when sharing their views off campus. They have stopped sharing social media posts about the iResolve campaign because of the disclaimer requirement, an unconstitutional chilling effect. The motion for a TRO said the superintendent suspended them after they refused to take down the website, which also prevents MedArt from finishing a district-paid certification training course. The Women's Liberation Front is organizing the educators' supporters to participate in the public hearing via Zoom Thursday and circulating a petition in favor of them. The Josephine County Republican Party is urging supporters to file complaints with the district for exempting Black Lives Matter advocacy, including posters in the classroom, from the speech policy at the same time it prohibited the campaign by Domino and Meddor as controversial. Okay, so here it is. Here's what we got going on in this situation. And this is why the school system has deteriorated as much as it has, because any teacher that speaks out against the leftist agenda is suspended and fired. That's how they get the academic field to all agree with the left, how they get the science community to all agree with the left, because any disagreement means that you are terminated from your job. You are barred from your profession. You are kicked out of the community. That's how they get it uh, to agree, not because the, uh, the majority of educators actually agree with them, but because those who speak out are fired, leaving those who remain too afraid to speak out. And think about this. They're trying to say that the school district has the right to regulate a teacher's speech off campus on their own private time spending their own private money to engage in their First Amendment right. And they're saying that is objectionable to say that boys are boys and girls are girls, that that is conduct that is prohibited in there. That's inappropriate behavior. And they go off and say they violated the school district speech policy. Yet, if it's a left-wing issue, if it's political speech in support of the left, then that is, of course, allowed by the school district. I mean, think about this. To say that boys are boys, girls are girls, and that they should use the restrooms that align with what their gender actually is, and that you should not be compelled to call a boy a girl, and you should not be compelled to call a girl a boy. That is objectionable to them. And yet, if you go off and read this, Black Lives Matter, a violent domestic terrorist hate group, Supporting them and vocalizing your support for them, well, that's perfectly acceptable to the point where they will put up posters of Black Lives Matters in the public schools. You know, the whole, you know, um, kill cops, burn down neighborhoods and cities, celebrate the death of political opponents or the murders of political opponents, racist hate group, Black Lives Matter. They're posted up in the classroom. But Teachers speaking as private citizens, exercising their constitutional rights under the First Amendment, unrelated to the school, that's prohibited and a fireable offense. Now you see where we are going at in society. Compelled speech and compelled silence, or your, or your career will be destroyed if you speak out against the left. And what they are calling inappropriate behavior, 
I, it's not inappropriate behavior to support a violent uh, domestic terrorist hate group like Black Lives Matter. That's not inappropriate. Men are men and women are women. Making that claim is what's inappropriate. This is a chilling effect, and this has dire consequences for our future because this leaves that only the most radical left-wing nut job are the ones engaging, educating the next generation to be a bunch of crazy left-wing nut jobs incapable of analyzing facts, living in reality, are coming to any common sense, sensible conclusion. I mean, there needs to be a major reform in the public education system because it has been taken over by the most radical, the most violent supporting nut jobs who then go off and try to claim that because they are educators, they know more and you know, educated people support the Democrats. No, they don't. No, not the actual educated. No, the, only the indoctrinated do. I, I, I'm at a loss for words here over where we are headed as a nation because of crap like this. And this is why we need to really fight and take back the public education system. Start teaching actual facts, actual history. Start teaching and educating and get rid of the indoctrination and all of the activist crap. I mean, when you can go off and the public schools say that you can promote, advocate, whatever left-wing group, no matter how violent or hateful they are, and then just saying basic biological scientific facts is inappropriate behavior. I mean, the, 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 what future is there in a situation like that for the country? What future is that for the education system? There is none. And we have to get involved at every level, from the public schools up to the highest elected offices, and get rid of this Marxist bullcrap that has been infecting and destroying this country. All right, so that's it uh, for this episode. I'd like to thank you for listening in. If this is your first time, don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss another episode. Leave me a rating and review and share this around on free speech platforms. All right. Thank you so much. And I will be back again soon.